Welcome back, everyone, to Blooming Musica's radio. I'm Cinder Lily Quinn. I'm a holistic harpist and coach, and I love talking about confidence, music, and today we're welcoming Pat Sullivan, who calls herself a genius geek, and Pat works with, she creates practical tools for seeing and achieving what matters, and she works with people to help them reveal their true genius that is within them all the time. Uh, uh, welcome, Pat. I want to ask you about your your moniker, your name, Genius Geek. Tell, tell us a little bit about why you chose that. Um, it's provocative. Um, I want to provoke people into remembering the natural genius that we were born loaded with but got trained out of most of us. Um, the word geek has a little bit of a negative connotation, meaning that you're socially inept in some ways. And the truth is, um, as kids, when we were really living from our true genius, a lot of times it made us outside the mainstream because a lot of our gifts, which I'll talk about more, made us feel a little strange. Um, they're actually the best parts of us, but this world is not set up for geniuses. In the nat- and we were actually taught um, some crazy things about what genius is. The other part of geek I want is I am absolutely passionate about discovering every possible way to help people wake up to the gifts inside and get them back. I love creating tools to get it back. I love just anything I can discover, I, you know. Maybe I get a little obnoxious about it sometimes because I could go <laughs> on and on. But I'm, I'm excited about this. We're loaded with gifts, and I want people to have them back. Oh, that's so exciting, Pat. Now, when I met you, I immediately could see the light in your eyes and that you were alive with passion and alive with excitement. And, you know, when you started talking about the, your passion for genius and for helping geniuses, you immediately helped me feel at ease about parts of me that I know are genius, and I honestly have had a little trouble accepting that. Um, how do you help people with something like that? Well, first of all, I listen. I look. I stop, look, and listen. You know, we don't do enough of that in this culture, and I just want to look at people, um, see them fully, I want to listen to them, and I want to give them just a very, very little bit of training. Um, I'd like to start with just giving you a a real quick summary of what I've learned about genius. May I do that right now? I would love to. Please tell us. Yeah, I had never even considered studying genius um, until about two years ago. At that time, I was stuck on trying to write a book on how to be more visionary. And I've been working on that for 10 years. It was based on a lifetime of of growing up in a very creative family. Um, And it was based on a lot of training and how to get clear visions and discern what's true and a lot of great stuff. But it just wasn't coming out. So I stepped in the shower with a question, how can I see clearly what's making me stuck and what's my true message? So the only thing that came out of the shower was two words, genius, amnesia. I went, what the heck is that? So by the time I was through with my shower, um, my husband, John, 
was already looking up the Latin meaning of genius, which blew my mind. And that definition, which I really want people to know, it said nothing about high IQ, a, a concept which wasn't invented then, 2,500 years ago. And even if it had, the true genius is not just mental activity, mental intelligence. There's so many intelligences we have. So here's the definition I got, slightly updated to now. Number one, genius is your ability to guide yourself. It's not like you just have an inner GPS, but your inner uh, genius guidance system, your GGS, will guide you to purpose, integrity, joy, service, rich relationships. It just doesn't tell you how to get there from one place to another. It helps you know who you are and really where you want to go and how you want to live and who you want to journey with. That was mind-blowing to me. Mm, mm. It's a really different definition than um, genius has today, or a lot of people think of genius. A lot of people think that they have to be as smart as Einstein or as creative as J.K. Rowling of Harry Potter fame, but but you say that's a myth. It is a myth. Um, Now, I'm not putting down the spectacular achievements of these people with their genius, but when you look at the lives of people who have really accomplished something, you see in their stories things like Einstein learned to follow his own light. I mean, some of his best work started with a dream, and, and Rowling was really gifted at listening to her own inner voice and struggling with it. So um, let me go back to the definitions because the second part of the ancient definition really blew my mind. And it was genius is your natural inclinations and appetites. That, wow. Wow, what does that say to you? Yeah, that's, uh, well, if I'm such a nature kid. I love that, that, it, that genius is something that comes out of nature, that it's natural. And a bit of your genius is your passion for being in nature. Mm. So Thank when you. I saw that part of the definition, I, I just was meditating on um, what it meant to forget genius, genius amnesia. And, and it just came to me very quickly. Genius amnesia means to forget what it's like to be in your true nature. It's what it's forgetting what it's like when you were a baby or a small child, you were loaded with what I now call elements of genius, your natural appetites and inclinations. Now, I'm not saying every one of them was bits of genius. Uh, there are a lot of things we had to overcome as children and unlearn, you know. Um, but if you watch babies and small children, you're going to see curiosity, you know, unstoppable curiosity. You're going to see awe, wonder, playfulness. You're going to see imagination. You're going to see the beginnings of intuition. You're going to see all sorts of intelligence that comes out through the emotions. You're going to see a drive to know who you are and um, to know who you are and to get out and connect with others. All those wonderful drives are fun for a while, but they get in the way of others' agendas. Like parents are too busy to listen to everything you have to say. You may have been just told too many times, stop being so curious, get your clothes on so we can get out of here. 
Um, and in school, you're probably taught sit down, shut up, and sit in rows and wait and learn what we tell you to learn. Now, I'm exaggerating a little, but not much. So I want to review. Yeah, you're, Go you're ahead. talking a bit about, uh, so yeah, so you're talking, so, so you're kind of moving into another topic that I want to explore in this conversation is that what are some of the top reasons we give up our natural genius? genius Can I hold that for one second and I'll I'll let me finish the definition? Because, you know, this is so many threads coming together. I can't get them all wrapped up in dot, 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 (laughs) dot, dot. But the the three definitions of genius, guidance, your natural elements of genius, the raw materials, the things you had as a kid, and number three is your talents. And in the current definition of genius, people only credit the super spectacular expressions of talents, the super expressions like Einstein, where it's a, a scientific talent, or Rowling, where it's uh, a creative talent. So imagine growing up in a world like that where your genius is ignored and it makes you feel weird. It may be put down. Mm-hmm. It's So I found a number, I could make a long list, I could talk for days on the things that happened to us. So let me just say some of that in, in some little bit with a little pause. And I imagine that everyone listening will find at least one or two of these things resonated. Mm-hmm. You grew up in a world that was too busy to really give you some of the deeper attention you needed. You were told to sit down, shut up, listen to what we tell you. You may have been told that what you saw, what you heard, what you thought wasn't acceptable in any way. You may be like people I know whose drawings were held up in front of the classroom as an example of what not to do. You may have suffered really deep trauma of one one thing or another. I've heard of... uh, people in a family so authoritarian that they may have been beaten for going against what was the rule in that family. You may have been humiliated heavily for expressing your own thoughts. Like in in my town, there was a guy, one of the bullies, one of his things that he loved to do was finding out something tender about you, like... um, really loved it when he could find a page or two out of someone's diary and read it out loud and make fun of it. Um, And it may be that you just simply felt out of sorts and you just didn't know how to speak who you were as the true Simber or the true Pat. Because let's face it, you've got a lot to learn when you're a kid. You're small, they're big. I'm not blaming parents. I'm not blaming teachers. It's it's a busy world. It's a complicated world. And most of us did not get training in how to discern this is true, Simba, this is true, Pat. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I know. I could identify with a number of those, and I can think of many stories that I've heard from friends and colleagues over the years where even in, you know in the best of intentions, the world is busy. It doesn't, the world they is. don't always don't always have the time to give to children that we would like to be able to do. Yeah. So, so what happens time, next? 
Okay, let me add one other thing. It's a lot of times uh, the parents and teachers and others just don't know what to do with this fresh kid, a live kid. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the most famous songwriters ever was Irving Berlin. I mean, if you don't remember the name, you've sung a lot of his songs, God Bless America and a whole bunch of them that they trot out all the I mean, it was, what, 10,000, 15,000 songs? And in the third grade, he was always singing to himself, and the teacher didn't know what to do with him. And she told the mother, you know, he'll never amount to anything till he learns to sit down and stop singing to himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the teacher meant well. Because mm-hmm. she didn't know, she didn't know what to do. She didn't yeah. have another answer to that. Another story that I've heard like that, because I also um, work with children and, and teach music, is a story about a girl who was diagnosed with ADD and ADHD and the mother w- didn't want to go the route of drugs and traditional um, you know treatments for that and so she ended up taking them taking her daughter to a psychiatrist who also happened to be a dancer mm. and so when she was uh she done interviewing <clears throat> the girl she put some music on in her office and then said, I'm going to step out and talk to your mom for a couple minutes and I'll be right back. And she stepped out and she said to the mom, she said, let's just watch and see what happens. And pretty soon the girl got up and she was dancing around in the office because she'd left music on. The, the psychiatrist had left the music on. And the psychiatrist looked at the mom and said, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. She's a dancer. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was another young kid whose name you'll know as soon as I say it, and if I haven't lost my memory at the moment, but he grew up being twitchy in the class, and he would probably be considered ADHD, and the teachers are saying, and the doctors are saying, he needs to find a way to settle down. And they said, wait a second, you know, when we take him out into nature, he's totally settled down, so we're going to take him out, we're going to homeschool him. Uh, but mostly we're going to school him in nature, and that's the story of Ansel Adams. Mm. And you know where that goes, these beautiful photos that show us the world oh. in a way that only he can show us that, that vision. Right. Wonderful. And Barbara Sher has a wonderful definition of, ta- of genius, where it, and when she's talking about talents, and talents is the third part of it, uh, of genius, we have so distorted it that talents means you know just something extraordinary. When I think of a talent for music, it isn't just a talent for making a song, composing a song. It's a talent for listening. It's a talent for uh, feeling rhythm in your body. It's a talent for imagination. It's many talents. It's a talent for communication. So we forget that those raw materials in us are also talents. And we just want to think of producing something and not what's in the joy of it all and the elements of it all. Right. I really like talking about talent at every level. Yes. That when I'm working with somebody who is a beginner, and I have a lot of students who are beginners, they... If they believe that they're a genius, if they believe that they're that they have the confidence, which is something that I like to instill in my students, then they'll go out and play their music with gusto, yes, with their heart in it, and uh, and 
the audience loves that and they love it and they mm-hmm. are expressing their genius and in that moment everyone in the room knows that this is as beautiful performance as anything they've ever heard. Oh yeah, and it inspires us. Mm-hmm. I mean, children it's very have inspiring. Yeah, children have natural courage. I mean, they don't know diddly squat about what's really safe in the world. They haven't learned to distinguish safe from danger yet. But they've got that internal courage. And that gets trained out of a lot of us. One of the things that really is, you know, you ask about how do we lose it. Around seven, the frontal brain um, really starts developing well. And by that time, we're in school we're learning and we get into tests and we get into a lot of activities that are somewhat competitive. And the frontal brain is the part that lets us, you know, make do, do logical work and it's very important. But unfortunately, what happens is a lot of kids learn to do compare and contrast for on themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an important skill in life. But when you turn it on yourself and you're constantly going, well, I can't do music because my sister already does that kind of music, so I can't compete with her. You know, I'm not allowed to have the same kind of gift she has or hers is better, whatever. And small children don't have that yet, and we can get it back. Mm-hmm. So you teach, this is part of what you teach, is how to get that, get back to that genius place. That's right. So I teach can you it share and a I, few, uh, share a few ways we can get back? Yes. N- number one is arts of any kind. And I don't mean necessarily go to art school. I, I was blessed uh, in my 43-year journey into human potential uh, that there were times when I was in groups where they said, just be a child again, a lot of regressive type work. And I remember we had a big sheet of paper and the biggest crayons that the leader could find. He was trying to find some that we could wrap our fists around it, the way small children start out. And he said, you've got this paper and you've got these crayons. You are not allowed to make anything. Just scribble, just play, just feel how it feels to get your whole body into it. It was amazing. It was really amazing. Later, they handed us some clay and said, again, don't make anything. Just get into it. Get into it the way a child would. You know, pound it, roll it, sniff it. Um, You know, roll it on your body. You know, play (laughs) with it. I'm serious. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Oh, I just love the picture of that. I can see myself... (laughs) <laughs> putting it on my face, like, what does my face look like? You know, if I yeah. could play and put it on my face and then pulled it away, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you pro- and as a child, you'd probably eat it. We wouldn't, but we, you know, we would at least play. <laughs> but, you know, that brings you right into another thing, to be silly. You know, by the time we're adults, we've gotten so much into the images of who we are. We're afraid of being silly. Afraid of being foolish, which means we don't try the music, we don't try the art, we don't try anything. Um, We don't try science. Um, So any kind of the arts, get in there, do it. I mean, people are waking up brilliantly with art, and and I could go on all day uh, about that. I mean, there's a lot of breakthroughs with Alzheimer's patients 
reaching them through art and music. Um, another thing, uh, while I'm on the arts, do any kind of expressive stuff. I mean, I did a lot of theater games, and that really broke through a lot of things. Broke out confidence. It really helped heal um, the part of me that had been really wounded on the playground starting when I was seven or eight and just feeling like I'm very strange. I come from a family that's highly intellectual. I grew up with uh, the Greek and Roman myths as if they were the common bedtime stories. Uh, I was asked to think all the time. And I get into the culture that's more interested in baseball. And, well, that was a big one. And I felt out of place, really out of place. And being in that kind of play in groups where the imagination and the strangeness was welcome was a huge breakthrough, and it helped heal that part of me. And particularly doing some stage work and, and daring to make a spectacle of myself. That was like one of the things that I, that I heard, Patty, stop making a spectacle of yourself. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a huge one. Any really good therapy will help. And I'm not talking about sitting and talking for years, uh, but preferably therapy that has a really deep somatic uh, component to it, journaling, memoir writing. Um, I do a lot of just really deep listening to people, very deep listening, and listening for clues. I I act like uh, Nancy Drew with him as much as possible. Nancy Drew is... I grew up with, and Nancy Drew. I grew up with Nancy Drew, too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how she could take a tiny clue and run with it? Mm Mm-hmm. And how she had, yeah, she was such a role model. So I have a whole list of things to do. Uh, More and more, and I'm putting them up on my website and in the blog posts. Uh, There's a piece that I wrote uh, on my website uh, www.geniusagain.com and it's uh, what I learned from Albert Schweitzer. Now when I was growing up, um, I was born in 1942, so I'm 72 now. So I remember things that are just, you may not even have heard of, but when I grew up, hero worship was considered really important. And when I was 8 to 10 years old, uh, Albert Schweitzer was at the height of his fame. I mean, he had blown people's minds because he was a brilliant writer, musician, organist. He was a theologian. Uh, What else? And he gave it all up in order to be a doctor and serve without paying the Congo. And he also became one of the first kind of natural ecologists and the whole book Silent Spring, which started the environmental movement, was was, uh, dedicated to him. So he was getting a Nobel Prize for peace when I was at the height of my hero worship phase. And I fell in love with it. I fell in love with this story of a person who did his work with such love and purpose that people came from around the world to serve with him. And they'd go back and do cool things like found a hospital or found a youth program. And I thought, I want to do something like that. I want my life to count like that. And later on in my life, I realized it wasn't just that inspiration. I got from him that his life was a model for how to take inspiration and information 
from all kinds of sources, and that's on my website of, you know, how to really do what I call everyday vision questing, like every day in the moment to take in bits of visions and then focus them and be guided, which is the first definition of genius. So that's on there. Um, And there's a lot of tips in there for learning to be guided again. And some of us just sit in nature, watch it. So. I learned so much from nature. I I grew up in an area that was where the water was mostly in the form of rivers. Mm. And so I spent a lot of my life thinking about the flow of rivers and how they meander or or in waterfalls or you know how how rivers are moving, but um and then I moved to Hawaii where the water is primarily in the ocean. And I was really, it took me a while to get used to the water going out and then coming back and going out and coming back and going out and coming back because for all before then the water went by and it never saw it again. <laughs> <laughs> it, each of those views uh, kind of informed my music. Mm-hmm. And some some music is more river-like and flows in that way, and some music is more oceany, where it's kind of more tidal, kind of going, coming, coming. And I um, so love the idea of looking to nature for inspiration, and mm. love that that that's a a path that's that's open to people who are trying to to get reconnected with their their inner genius. So oh yeah, that. and it's, I mean, there's so many stories of it. My favorite one came a book. It came from a book uh, by Carol Orsborn called uh, Solved by Sunset, which is, it's been out for some time, but it, it speaks about, you know, how to get deeper into a question that's bothering, just loaded with visioning exercises. But she told about a guy who was a real type A executive. Uh, his wife and all the people who worked with him had really had it up to there. I think his wife was about ready to divorce him. Um, People that worked with him were on the verge of quitting. So he really got it. I need to rethink how I run my business and my life. So he just went out in nature, kind of a one-day vision or two- or three-day vision quest, and he sat and he watched a herd of deer. And he watched, uh, I guess it's called a stag, you know, with all these does and all of them, he went, I'm noticing he has a very different style of leadership than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so he started contemplating, what it, what could I learn from this, from this stag? And he came up with a much gentler, much more cooperative, more leading than managing. Mm. Transformed his work, transformed his business, transformed his marriage. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, Pat, we're getting close to the end here, so I know you have um, some activity or some um, that you'd like to share with the audience. Yeah. Before we finish, um, so yeah. is now a good time to do that. Yes. And how many minutes do we have? Because I have 25 things I want to share, and I can't do them all. <laughs> Let's do five of them. Okay. The thing is, I've got a list of about 25 things that you had as a small child if it wasn't 
drilled out of you even at age two, which is possible. And um, some questions to get your thinking of what some of the hidden treasures that are in you that could be brought out and grown up. So when you were four or five, chances are 98 to 2 that you were still genius level at imagination. And that's been proved. Only 2% of adults are. So that meant that you could make up a game, a story, or a song about anything. Is that still gift is that gift still alive? Or is that a treasure waiting to be found? When you were young, you could laugh yourself silly. And because of that, you could really let go stress really fast. You were actually enhancing your immune system. You could enhance your courage to do things without the worry of being foolish because silly was something that could be fun sometimes. When you were young, you could get fascinated by the movement of clouds and puddles, the play of light on water, the movement of a kaleidoscope or other things of your own choosing. Now, if this gift is still alive in you and really grown up, that same kind of fascination is the best catalyst I've ever found for a rich relationship with someone, and it helps if you've been married 31 years like I have, and, you know, you want to have a rich life, not boring. That means I, when I look at my husband the way I used to look at clouds as a child, I always see something new and fresh. And that's also the foundation of uh, problem solving. Like I have a friend that says, if I can just get fascinated and curious, I stop obsessing about a problem when I start getting creative. When you were really young, you never limited your possibilities to what you already were told is possible. To the extent that gift is alive in you, then you're always ready to go beyond the known and the boxed in to something that's really imaginative, something that's really useful to you. And I'll just pick one more. As a child, you got up in the morning exuberant and you looked forward to tomorrow. Now, I'm of an age where a lot of people have forgotten that. I am so grateful that's back. And, in fact, every day gets better. So, What an inspiration. Wow. I, well, I, I always feel more genius after talking with you, Pat. Oh. And it's... It's so you just such a breath of fresh air and, Thank you. and your encouragement and your mission is it's so important and I'm I'm really happy that we've been able to have this conversation today and to encourage people. So now um just in the last minute here, tell us again how to get in touch with you. Yes. Uh www.geniusagain.com. And is that all one word, genius again? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, our telephone number five one zero five three zero zero two eight four. And you're in Oakland, California. I am. But you um, work by phone. I do, in person or phone, with a lot of email backup. Uh, when, when people work with me, they're 
they get a lot of resources to try out and try on, and they can use them or not. Uh, often they're really, I mean, I love sending people resources, I find. Um, wonderful. Well, yeah, you're, you've already sent me some wonderful resources, and, and I've really mm-hmm. enjoyed working with you um, as well. So we are we are out of time now. Um, if we keep talking, we'll get cut off. So <laughs> <laughs> it does stop exactly at noon. So <laughs> okay. So Can I, I want to thank one you, Pat. One thing Please quickly: yeah. you need your genius. We need each other's genius. The world's in a mess. And we can make it wonderful for ourselves and everyone else. And it's this is not the time to expect the great peacemaker, but for many of us to be great peacemakers. Or like Mother Teresa said, you know, it's not do great big things, but do small things with great love or great wisdom. Mm, it's beautiful. So. Genius can come in small packages. I, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. All right, Pat, thank you so much uh, for being with me today. I'm so looking forward to getting your message out into the world and um, look forward to seeing you again when we we see each other. Yes. Have a great day. And your work is wonderful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. All right.